everybody. I haven't really thought of that question, actually, Simon, being prepared for a journey, but whenever we go anywhere, I always have a huge bag of food. So that normally makes us late, but then I feel secure. Anyway, <laughs> so this morning, um, yeah, I just wonder how is your bless journey going this morning, if it's started with life groups. So this is part of a series today of looking at bless, um, beginning with prayer, listening to others, eating, um, sharing story, uh, serving one another and sharing story. So I just would love, I've been invited to share with you today a little bit about my story and how that fits in with our blessed journey. But I would love to encourage you um, to ask that to one another over the coming months in a gentle way, you know, just how have you been a blessing this week, perhaps, or just how's your blessed journey going? Let's get used to sharing our stories with each other and the little wins as well for God as the Holy Spirit starts to transform us. Something that I have become acutely aware of as I've been preparing for this preach is our fundamental needs of the Holy Spirit as we seek to truly love our neighbours. In fact, our need of the Holy Spirit is not just to help us love others, but also for us to know the love of our Heavenly Father too. His work in us is not to make us better agents, but to make us people who better reflect more clearly the person of Jesus, to be distinct icons of God in the world around us. The Holy Spirit is the one who is the living presence of God within us. And it's vital that we know him as a person, otherwise we won't receive him personally. The person of the Holy Spirit is fully God, yet distinct from the Father, just as Jesus is fully God, but revealed as the Son of God. If this all sounds a little bit too tricky, you might want to catch Paul later in the coffee lounge. Um, But it is through our personal relationship with the Holy Spirit that we enjoy a living relationship with God. So the purpose of my time with you this morning is to share a bit of the Bible and some of my stories of faith. But our landing point later will be to make space for the Holy Spirit to minister to us and to give us time to respond. But before I begin, David, I would just like to invite up my husband just to share a word of encouragement. Thanks, Don. Good morning. Uh, I just wanted to um, recall to mind a word uh, that we were given last week. It's good to honour the words that we received uh, prophetically. If you remember, Carol was here last week, uh, and and Pastor Paul reminded us, as a lot of us, or it seems uh, a large number of us, are being asked to walk through some difficult circumstances at the moment. Um, Carol encouraged us not to run away from those, that... Uh, it's in the crushing that there's new oil. Um, and as I was praying uh, last week, I just had that sense from God that he was saying he comes along and stands next to us. Um, the Holy Spirit is with us. In, uh, in John 14, the, the Greek word used uh, for the comforter who Jesus will send to us is parakletos. Um, And it's translated in different ways uh, as a comforter, as a consoler, as a help, 
as an advocate fighting our corner and standing with us. That's the Holy Spirit uh, with us. And uh, it's been taught in, in the Alpha Course that Perikletos, uh, way back uh, when the Bible was being written, was also the word used for a larger vessel that was sent out into the Mediterranean to rescue ships that got into trouble. Uh, that's the Holy Spirit. He comes to rescue us and stand with us. Um, so as we're thinking about blessed, some of us will be um, in need of the Holy Spirit to comfort us. We might think, oh, I haven't got the headspace for this. I haven't even got anything left in the tank. There's nothing in my heart for this. But I just want to encourage us, um, as I believe God has said to us, he stands with us. <coughs> Thank you. Okay, so the title given to me this morning uh, for this topic was Be Prepared for a Journey. But, but, <laughs> um, as I've been preparing, I've actually sensed that God's word for us this morning is more be prepared for some gardening. Okay, so the analogies in the Bible of being on a journey or being a gardener are not that dissimilar when looking at the nature of God's kingdom. Both require our active involvement and each take a period of time to unfold. But the lovely thing with gardening is that you can start at any age. So let's dig in to the Bible, people. Right, I have an absolute favourite, sorry. I have an absolute favourite parable from Mark's Gospel. Uh, in chapter 4, verses 26 to 29. So Mark 4. 26 to 29. It's the parable of the growing seed. Now, I'm just, there's, uh, let's be ready for the next slide, James. Thank you. The word um, in this text, man, is actually anthropos. It refers to both male and female. So I'm just going to stick in there, person. Jesus also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A person scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether they sleep or get up, the seed sprouts and grows, though they do not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, they put the sickle to it because the harvest has come. I was in my early 20s when I became familiar with this parable and it transformed my attitude to faith and sharing the goodness of Jesus with people. What I loved was that Jesus used the natural world, a growing seed, to demonstrate how we as people are not in control of the gospel or even the agents of growth. It taught me that God delights to partner with us to spread the seed of his word, which brings the flourishing of his kingdom. And then he invites us to bring in the harvest. And this harvest is something that we're going to see more of as we bless our neighbours, and we grow in our habits to learn and share uh, Jesus' love with others. And these neighbours may be folks that uh, we live close to, but they also include our work colleagues, maybe our carers, school friends, clients, or even local service providers. So to help you follow my thoughts this morning, I've broken the parable of the growing seed into five small sections, all beginning with S. So, 
Um, I had thought to look at this parable and focus on the growth of the seed, but actually um, God redirected me to focus instead on the person in this parable as their representative of you and me. Okay, so we've got five parts here. We've got the seed, we've got the sowing, we've got the sleeping, we've got the seeing, and we've got the celebrating. I thought, I thought that would work, yeah. So let, let's dig in <laughs> number one. I am known for creative spelling, but I did that on purpose. So, uh, so the seed. Where do we get this? And what does it look like? Seeds are things from which new things grow. They are units of reproduction, which when given the right conditions, are capable of developing new life. In Mark 14, verse, uh, sorry, in Mark 4, Verses 14, Jesus explains that the seed in his parable is the word, the logos. It is living and active, and it is life. It is Jesus. If we want to get our hands on this seed, we must first receive it in our own hearts. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. So let me share with you how it happened for me. My adventure with the Holy Spirit started in Suffolk, where I grew up with my four siblings in a Christian family, with an awareness of the Spirit's presence and power through the witness of my parents. However, I remember being in a church youth group and not quite understanding why preachers were so bothered about the lost um, and why they needed saving. I eventually asked a grown-up about this and was encouraged to ask God to show me his heart for those who didn't know him yet. Over the years, I prayed and asked God to help me know him more. And then one day, he met with me. I was at a youth conference and had asked for prayer on the last day. I had been trying and trying all week to hear from God, but realised that I hadn't truly been listening to him. So I asked a lady to pray with me, one last go, for a bigger reality of God. And that is just what happened. I'm going to read you a part of the vision that I experienced, as noted in my journal at the time. This was a profound and powerful experience of Jesus meeting with me that has often moved me to tears. Just hold on. <laughs> so in this vision I experienced, I've actually just kind of been at the foot of the cross. I'm just going to read. Next, I was in front of God's heavenly throne. There he was sat, but all I saw was light all around. I was kneeling before him, thinking how amazing it was to be able to come before God on my own, in person, and praise him. I was then next to the shining throne. God was packing me with hiking equipment, placing climbing ropes on my shoulders. I asked him to tell me his plan and for his map or directions of what he wanted me to do. He said that I already had it, the promised Holy Spirit. It made total sense because I know it's the Holy Spirit who is with me always to guide me and advise me. I then took hold of God's hand and kissed it and our hold lingered as I moved away. I looked back and thought, you're my father. So I ran back and had a big hug. I said goodbye and he said he would always be with me. Then I left the throne room and trekked off over a mountainside. Again, I found myself before God's throne. 
I was kneeling before him and he stretched out his hands to me and said, you are mine. And this filled me with huge delight. I looked over my shoulder and saw a small crowd of people stood together in the distance, looking as grey silhouettes in the whiteness and light of heaven. Kneeling in front of God, I looked back at them and was pleading with God to call them his too. But he said no, softly. But I pleaded and cried for them. I realised that God also felt pain and compassion for them. But he couldn't welcome them in because he hadn't, they hadn't accepted Jesus as king. At this, I felt compelled to do something. I told God that I would go back to their time on earth and tell them about Jesus so that they too could stand before their living Father in heaven and hear him say, you are mine. And then it continued. Anyway, and so aged 15, God planted the seed of his love for the lost in my heart. And over the decades has been showing me that sharing the life of Jesus with others has the potential to sow a seed of his life and love in their hearts too. We come into possession of the word seed when we meet Jesus and our hearts are transformed by his Holy Spirit. In James 1, verse 21, in the message, it says it beautifully. So it says, In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. Okay, my second S is sowing. Exploring the art of casting. Jesus said, A person scatters seed on the ground. There is not much to add to this concept apart from to say that in other translations, the word for scatters here is expressing the action to throw or to let go without care where it falls, even if there is uncertainty about the result. What gardener have you ever known that (laughs) chucks their seed around without care for where it falls? apart from maybe grass seed or something like that. Well, that is how Jesus wants to free us up with sharing his goodness with others. With great patience, the Holy Spirit has been prompting David and I to fling wide our invitations to non-Christian friends and neighbours to come and eat with us and at other times to come in uh, to our home for the Alpha Course. This has not come naturally But the Holy Spirit has challenged us to cast our nets wide, or with this analogy, to scatter our seed without care and to trust Jesus with the results. Okay, so we're going to look at sleeping. How to rest when we've heard Jesus say, go. When I first circled this passage uh, in Mark 4 in my Bible 20 years ago, I was so relieved, sorry, when I was 20, I was so relieved to discover my new Jesus-dictated job description. Scatter some seed. Go to sleep. Get up again. Look at the little seedling. Then probably go back to sleep and then up again, etc., etc. And then harvest the crop. This is a fantastic job description and a bonus at the time because I was a student. 
But do you hear how liberating this kingdom way is? To receive God's personal love for you, then love the person in front of you until they ask why. Then let the Holy Spirit bring his life and growth into their hearts and minds. And then be available for when people are ready to let go of their own grip and place their life in the hands of Jesus. I just wonder if some of you listening need to hear that permission to go and get some sleep. To rest and not strive. There's also a caution here. We must remember that we don't know how God works out his saving grace in any of us, but it's definitely with compassion, kindness and love. We need to turn away from any sense of pressure or ambition to convert people or any display of judgment that causes another believer to doubt God's work in their life. Or worse still, that they'll never be a good enough Christian. Jesus is the author of life. And we're invited along for the ride to marvel at his goodness. We cannot make God life grow in others. It's a work of the Spirit. Which leads on to the fourth section, seeing. Observing the growth of God's life in others. So it says in that parable, all by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. So in my faith journey, I have waited years to see God at work in the lives of my friends. After meeting powerfully with him in my teens, I always wanted to experience the joy of witnessing someone else's reconciliation with their heavenly father, or in other words, to be saved. People have assumed that because I'm extroverted and confident around others, it's easy to evangelize. But unless God is already at work in someone's life, you cannot force the growth to happen. For the 20 years following my vision of God at the youth camp, I helped on countless numbers of alpha courses, dabbled in a bit of street evangelism. Don't think I want to do that again tested out prophetic prayer in the city uh, and invited my neighbours to evangelistic events. And after all that time and activity, I saw one precious friend, a colleague of mine, come to faith. One. This sounds pretty similar to the pages of the blessed book that Erica read last Sunday on the uh, research and the effect of the converters versus the blessers. So it wasn't a particularly fruitful time in that sense of people coming to faith, but it was a useful time where God uh, was showing me that it's not by power or might or personality or confidence, but by the work of the Father to draw hearts to Jesus. More than 20 years after that encounter with God, I had the opportunity to study theology on a part-time course with King's School of Theology a few years ago. God was inviting me to go deeper into his word and to grow in confidence in him alone. Setting aside my own self-confidence. 
At the same time, I moved house with my family to the town centre of Rugby, where God had told me that he had prepared a place for us. And after a year, I made friends with two of the mums from school who wanted to explore faith in Jesus. This all began as friendship over a brew and bacon butty, which then led to conversations about life and the offer of prayer for some of the challenges that invariably come. One of the ladies was moved to tears when prayed with, and another wanted to know who Jesus was because she realised she had no idea what was in the Bible. These friends of mine were already like healthy seedlings pushing through the soil of faith, and I had had nothing to do with planting the seed. Both of them wanted to go on the Alpha course in our home, and after that we continued to regularly read the Bible to learn about Jesus together. These sessions with the Bible birds, that's our name, have been some of the most enriching times of my faith journey. Five years on, one of the ladies is growing in her faith as a Jesus follower, and my other precious friend is journeying closer to the heart of God. At certain points along the way, I've wanted to bring a life-giving word or some profound wisdom of God's kingdom. But each time the Holy Spirit has told me I'm being a bit daft uh, and I should be patient as the master gardener landscapes the salvation garden of my friends' hearts. It's been really important to put my own preconceived ideas of the conversion journey to one side because the Holy Spirit doesn't always appear to share the same traditions as me. When my friends came to faith, When my friend came to faith, she didn't have a long list of bad things to turn from. She just genuinely knew that she was a good person. So I didn't start probing around trying to find something for her to repent of. However, after a year or so, we were chatting on the school run and she told me about a reaction that she had had uh, to someone in the week and felt pretty unnerved by it. She knew that it was wrong and she asked if God could help her with it. And I said, yes. And the following week, we asked one of the other ladies in my life group to join us for some prayer in my home. And God spoke through words and pictures that came to our minds. God met with my friend that day and his kindness and gentleness continues to bring transformation in her life. And so the faith journey continues until number five, celebrating. How to reap the harvest. So again, in our parable, it says, as soon as the grain is ripe, they put the sickle to it because the harvest has come. On this last point, I just want to share with you my experience of what we call in the church, leading someone to salvation. This is actually an area of great concern, I think, for many Christians in the West, because we're not quite sure how to do it. I also feel slightly on shaky ground, um, but I'm learning to just go with the flow and then laugh afterwards. (laughs) You'll see what I mean in a minute. In John 3, 16, Jesus says that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. In Acts 2, 38, Peter says to the crowds, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
salvation comes through belief in Jesus, repentance and baptism. When my friend at Bible Birds said that uh, faith in Jesus made sense to her and that she wanted to start a new life with him, I said, fantastic, and then thought, now what's the right thing to pray? Uh, I don't have a handy salvation app. I don't know that I want one either. Or a pre-printed prayer to read, which are useful. So I asked her if she would like to copy what I was about to pray out loud, even though I wasn't quite sure what I was about to pray. We said a thank you to Jesus for dying for her and then a sorry for all the bad things that she'd done in her life and then a, a please come and make your home uh, in her heart by the gift of the Holy Spirit to help her know him more. It, the actual moment was far more bumbly <laughs> than that. And after she went home, I remember feeling slightly unsettled that I directed her to say, sorry for all the bad things, when I knew full well that at that moment, she just knew that she was a good person and didn't have any big habits to change particularly. I then dug into the Bible and read how Peter called the crowds to rep repent, to move from self-governing and to turn to Jesus, who is the way, the truth and the life. I saw my friend the next day, and discovered that praying for all the bad things had felt a bit odd for her. That's what she said. <laughs> and I said, that's fine. It's a bit odd for me too. Uh, because when we come to faith, we are actually choosing to turn to Jesus, which seemed much more meaningful once we talked about it. So we laughed together and then we prayed again, <laughs> just to seal the deal. One other opportunity came a year ago during an Alpha Course season where a friend realised that she believed in God but had never actually invited him into her life. We were sat on a park bench and I simply asked, would you like to do that now? To which the response was yes. Once again, I felt pretty bumbly with my words but we just went for it and we experienced the peaceful presence of the Holy Spirit I still felt uncertain about how to pray, but I've accepted that bringing in the harvest is about joy in the Holy Spirit and celebration at what God has been growing all along. It's not a sterile, mechanicalized process. It's relational and a little bit messy, maybe with bits of stalk sprinkled on the floor with this harvest. So, as I come to a close here, I hope that you have found some encouragement for your own faith journey and for what God might be cultivating in your own context. As we engage with the blessed habits, let's always begin with prayer. Let's throw out the seeds of the kingdom and make the master gardener, ask the master gardener what he's growing and landscaping around us. If there is any feeling of lack, let's ask the Holy Spirit for what we need and then take little steps of faith. Let's ask Jesus for a vision of his kingdom in the settings we find ourselves in. At a conference recently, there was the theme of planting seeds too. The main stage started off, uh, it was just all black, just a plain stage, um, and it had a row of empty plant pots set out on the front, about 10 of them, really big ones, um, on benches. 
Um, and between the sessions, a few pots of flowers started to be placed and appear um, around the conference room. Just bit by bit across the conference, by the end of the two days, so there we are, that's obviously not empty, those are now with flowers in. By the end of the two days, the stage and the floor around it was covered with all kinds of plant arrangements and flourishing greenery. <laughs> you could barely see the drummer, he's up there somewhere. It was there to provide a vision of what God's kingdom work of new life can look like. Bare ground transformed to beauty. Let's be prepared to go on a journey with our neighbours. Maybe we need to be prepared to go on our own journey from where we are spiritually to a new place with the Holy Spirit. Let's ask Jesus for a new vision of his kingdom in our homes and communities.